Support the Dope Radio was designed to give a platform to the best, most talented, and dopest music creators, enhancers, and magic makers to tell their own stories in their own words. The guests on the show are well-documented as integral parts of the success of your favorite artists and songs. I'm your host, Carla D. Brown, and I'm pulling back the curtain to bring them center stage under their very own spotlight. Let's go. Y'all support the Dope Radio is back. I'm your girl CB. Um, it's been a few years or so, but I'm happy to be kicking off season six. Finally, I even if y'all were, were tuned in from the beginning, you heard a new theme song. And that was yours truly. Um, shout out to Reg Young for the encouragement on doing that because he's the one that always gives me a little swift kick when I need to, you know, do something. And he was like, you know, it will be a flex, Carla, you know, because we were talking about whether or not I was going to have a new song and, you know, if I was going to remix the old one and, you know, I was like, it's a new season. I don't know how you feel. And, you know, he's like, Carla, do you know it will be a flex is if you did your own song? So here we are. I don't, I don't profess to be a rapper, singer, um, anything of the sort, but I hope y'all can get into that. Uh, Sean is my guy. How you feel about the theme song, Sean? I love it. It's, it I, had, I listened to it in my truck the other day. That thing was thumping. Hey, shout, shout out to my homie uh, Matt Carter on the track and, and shout out to Larry Witt for, for engineering that track because that thing Larry, sounds so yeah, smooth. Larry was nice with it. He real nice with it. Nice. So without further ado, I'm going to get into today's episode, um, episode one of season six. I have my special guest joining me. Um, he is a guitarist. He is um, the musical director for none other than the queen of hip hop. So you know her as Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Um, his name, hailing all the way from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Sean Hinton. Crowd goes wild. <laughs> Okay, what's this? I'm going to mess around and put the sound effects in there. Right. <laughs> the, cor- the corny crowd applause. Right, right. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much for joining me and um, on a brand new season, brand new platform, brand new guests. Uh, you're the first one up. First oh, one up to bat. It feels good to be one. You hear me? Yeah, it does. So... Where do we start with you? Because I know that you, well, you play a couple instruments. You just kind of profess to playing one right now, but there you play yeah. a couple instruments. Um, take us back to the beginning of where this all started, and you know we'll work our way up to the musical director thing. But let's, let's take it back. Okay. Well, uh, on the first day, God created the heavens and the earth. No, I'm just playing. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I was about to get my church ready. I was about to get my Bible out and. <laughs> Or 1979 in Rockford, Illinois, uh, to a family of musicians. My mom was a pianist. My dad was a guitarist. 
uh, we moved to Milwaukee around like 1981, 82. Um, we played at my grandfather's church. My grandfather was a pastor. Uh, my cousins and I, uh, we took turns playing the drums um, because is it that uh, the primary instrument that every musician starts out sometimes with some form of percussion uh, in church. So I uh, took turns playing drums with my cousins, as they would say, share the responsibilities and the duties until I got tired of sharing the drums and uh, expressed a, a fondness for playing the guitar. My grandfather, my mom bought me my first guitar uh, at a, a pawn shop Christmas. I'll never forget, I was 12. My grandfather showed me my first three chords and I was hooked. I was in fact so hooked to where I suffered for my craft. Sean, what do you mean when you say you suffer for your craft? Um, bedtime was 8.30 Monday through Friday. Um, my mom said be in bed by 8.30 because you got to get up to go to school. I said, okay. So I closed the door, turned on the radio station, uh, turn on the radio to, and take it to uh, Hot 102 at the time, which was the urban AC station. And I would sit on the edge of my bed and practice and listen to everything that I would hear on that station. My mother would catch me in the act and I would get a whooping every time. So that's what I mean when I say I suffer from my craft. Um, I played at my grandfather's church until he passed in 93. Uh, my, my family, when I say my family, I mean not just my mother and my sister, but my cousins. We were all kind of like vagabonds at that point because we were trying to find another church to attend. Uh, ended up joining Brighter New Birth here in Milwaukee uh, around like 95, 96. And I played drums. So I still know how to play the guitar, but I was a drummer. So, because I just knew for a fact that I was going to be a drummer. I was cold on drums. That's my story that I'm sticking to it. Um, and I saw an opportunity to switch off and play guitar and I did so while keeping drums in the forefront of my mind. Um, around 2000, I'm fast forwarding, around 2002, I met Rex Hardy from Chicago, who's a drummer. Uh, at the time he was on tour with uh, this gospel tour. It was Menace Standard, uh, Trinity 5-7, and Tone. I thought for sure I was going to get on that tour because I met Rex and I was like, hey man, I'm trying to make a name for myself in Chicago. And I didn't get it, but I got something better, which was my introduction into the secular field of music, which was being the guitarist for Dave Hollister. Big deal for somebody like me from Milwaukee. Now, granted, Chicago, this is just a job to some, but they appreciate it, but it's still a job. This was right. a big deal for me. So from Dave Hollister, um, I, it was a snowball effect. Um, I met Glenn Lewis, I met Kelly Price. Um, that opened up a door for me to uh, play with 112. And um, fast forward to 2004, I got a phone call from Rex again saying like, hey, Mary's putting a new band together. 
Uh, you're about to get a phone call. Surely indeed, I got that phone call. And uh, I was at the time on, on this gospel tour called the New Life Tour, which was which had Byron Cage, Percy Beatty, New Direction, Risen, and maybe, oh, Natalie Wilson and SOP. So Ooh. I was on that tour. Rex called me about the Mary gig. We finished that tour and it worked out perfect. That's how you know, like this was nobody but God because the tour was over in March. It was like March 2nd, the tour was over and I flew out to New York to audition for the Mary gig. So my birthday is March 9th. So I spent my birthday in New York on a Mary J. Blige gig and I was rehearsing for a tour. That was my first big world tour because I got a tour packet saying like all of the places we were hitting in the United States as well as across the water. Like UK, we did Germany, we did London, we did Japan. I mean, we went somewhere everywhere. And um, from Mary, I did Angie Stone. From Angie Stone, I did John Legend from John Legend, I did Jill from Jill, I did Lil Wayne, and here we are now. I am, I've been with Mary since 2004, and I am blessed and privileged uh, to serve not only as her guitarist, but I also serve as her musical director, by the grace of God, because the way I got that gig uh, as her musical director was because the musical director before me, who I look up and admire, uh, one of the uh, one of them, the great Omar Edwards, uh, and he told uh, the tour management, like, "Hey, give Sean an opportunity. Sean can do it. Sean's been with Mary since '04." And I'll never forget. This was a conversation that Omar and I had when we were getting ready to start the Good Morning Gorgeous tour with Mary. He was like, "You know, you're like the elder statesman of." you know, of this organization. Like you've been a part of every regime, you know, keep your heart open, keep your mind open, you know, to other experiences, things like that. So lo and behold, he called, uh, he recommended me to MD and this, uh, I'll be in San Francisco this week, uh, the following week with Mary. So this would be my second attempt at her, at her, at being her musical director. Yes. <laughs> You got it. So that's a long, you named a lot of artists that you, that you've worked for and that you've toured with. Yeah. Was it always a goal of yours to be a touring musician? Absolutely. Didn't know how it was going to happen, but I'll never forget being a kid watching the Grammys and one of my favorite uh, R&B groups, uh, The Boys. I don't know if you remember The Boys. They did that song, I Call My Baby on the phone yeah yeah i had them on a cassette tape i did too i did too. <laughs> and i seen them perform on the grammys and i was like if these little boys can do it i know i can. I know i can just don't know how it's gonna happen but i know i want to do it and i held on to that dream held on to that passion you know and every time i would sit behind a pair uh sit behind a drum set hold a pair of sticks in my hand that was like I want to play and impress people I love what I do but I want people to walk away and be like "Woo, that boy played them drums even with me as a guitarist it's just like I just wanted people to be like yo my man is nice nice so it was always a forefront to 
be a touring musician. So to get the opportunity, you know, to wish upon a star and that thing come true, that's that's a that's that's all right in my book. Yeah. So you're living the dream. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. living the dream. That's what's up. So what happened to to the drums? Why, you know, if you started out playing drums and eventually learned how to play guitar, um, what happened for you where you ended up deciding to pursue the guitar and not the drums? It's a great question, Carly. <laughs> <Let me tell you. laughs> That's why I'm here, Sean. <laughs> so um, Dave Hollister, too, or the Dave Hollister run I did. We were rehearsing in Burbank, California. And that was the day, uh, the that that bloody Saturday that I knew that uh, I was to give up the ghost on drums because everybody in the band could play drums just as well as they played their pers their perspective instruments. So when I saw that, that was uh, that was me accepting defeat and saying like, okay, focus on guitar. Didn't you get tired of sharing the drums with your cousins when you were a kid playing at church? I'm not fighting <laughs> nobody. Can't nobody, nobody in the band at that time could play guitar. I got y'all licked with that. I'm going to stay <laughs> in my lane and keep it pushing. And that's what I did. Well, that's one way to figure it out. Find out everybody else. You're, you are a, a, a dime a dozen. Um, and Which is facts. I mean, a lot of people can play drums or started out playing drums. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of have to be a standout, you know, for people to kind of take notice. Um, but did, I mean, how, was it difficult for you to, to let that go? Or you're just like, no, well, I, I rock just fine it on guitar. So that's what it is. Cause once that, once okay. I saw the keyboard player play 10 times better than I did on drums, I was like, <laughs> you can't play the guitar though. And I was like, cool. Shout, shout out to the keyboard player. <laughs> Freddie Moffitt, God rest the dead, but that dude got on the set and was nice. Ooh, even um, I'll never forget. We there's a video out from some years ago, and um, this was another uh, regime of, uh, with the Mary or Mary organization, and the band was uh, myself on guitar, Monty Nubo on keys, uh, Omar Edwards, Marcus Kinsey, Rex Hardy and uh, Robert J.J. Smith. And we were going, me and Monty were going back and forth on TalkBox. But this particular rehearsal, Marcus Kinsey sat behind the drums and killed. And Come I was, on, Marcus Kinsey. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I ain't never, and, and, and not that I was like trying to pick it back up again, but it was just like, yeah. If there was an inkling of a, ounce of thought of me trying to make my triumphal return to drums. Kenzie killed it. Killed it. <laughs> Shout out to Kenzie. He, he was a guest on Support the Dope Radio like way back. I, I don't even know if it was maybe maybe season two or uh, a long time ago. So shout out to the homie. Yeah, shout Marcus out to Kenzie the homie. That's my little bro. <laughs> That's my little bro. For real for real. But yeah, yeah. so I, it, it was easy. It was very, very easy to say like, okay, I'm good. I ain't got to play drums no more. Yeah. I went quietly good. to that good night. <laughs> Stay in your lane, like you said. Exactly. So going on tour, how old were you when you went on your, your first tour? Uh, when I went on tour with Dave Hollister, I was 22. Okay, so still pretty young. Still pretty um, young. What, what, if anything, did that tour kind of teach you about 
being a touring musician that maybe you didn't know going into the tour? I didn't know anything going into the tour. So I was learning in real time. I was learning and experiencing, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, one of the big things that I learned about was you don't have to bring a guitar amp to stuff. Like they rent backline. I didn't know about backline. I didn't even know about a rehearsal space. You know, thinking coming from like rehearsing in that rehearsing at church on Saturdays yeah. for choir rehearsal, you didn't know of a, of other places to rehearse. So, just being in California was a culture shock for me. Then to be engulfed in the in the the, the musical culture, you know what I'm saying? Like doing this for a living, it was just like, oh my God, I was seeing stars. Like I would get dizzy, just like, oh my God, like this is what the, this is what I'm doing for a living. You know what I'm saying? And, and with great with with great gifts comes great responsibility. I learned about being punctual. You know, being on time for a lobby call. Them not waiting on you, especially if you're in a van and you gotta. You know, the van is leaving at 12. You don't come downstairs at 12. You know, we're leaving at 12. You, you downstairs at least by 1245. So, you know, you got grace period. So that was one of the big things, one of the biggest things that I learned that still sticks with me to this day. Because, you know, you have to respect everybody else's time. That's big. Like, there are no big eyes or little you. Yeah, we might be good at our gifts and abilities and the roles that we play. But... Let's keep in mind we're still the um, supporting cast. So we're not the stars. Our name right on the marquee. Mm -hmm. So, what would you say if someone that is, you know, uh, maybe as young as you were, uh, getting ready to go on tour, or even just thinking about wanting to go on tour, uh, what is the one thing you think is like the most important thing for them to understand about what the tour life? brings or the demands of tour life? Um, whew, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's so, it's so much that I could say. Um, um, it, it, it is a high demand. Like, yeah, you might be in California rehearsing, you might be in New York rehearsing, but you in LA and you in New York for a reason. And that's to get a job. Don't get caught up in a hype. Cause it's so easy to get caught up in a hype. I'm in New York. I'm gonna be late because I'm at the music store. I'm gonna be late because, you know, I'm at the mall. Or I'm gonna be late because I'm picking up this guitar from this company and stuff like that. Like, manage your time wise so you can be on time for what you're actually there for. You know, so don't get and and, and it's easy to get caught up in a hype, especially if you've not ventured outside of your, you know, your state and and, and you, you're experiencing something like that for the first time. It like, it could be overwhelming. And, you know, and it's not enough hours in the day for you to do the things that you want to do. But you have to keep in mind you're there to do a job. So do your job, do it well. Yeah. What kind of things can happen um, anytime you're doing something live? Like, even when I used to do my podcast live, there's always the chance of um, something going wrong, even if it's a technical issue. Um, what kind of things can go wrong during a live show? Um, and how, how do you accommodate that, um, in your role? Uh, it's like the game of golf, no matter where the ball lands, play through, play through, uh, 
something like Pro Tools can stop working. If Pro Tools stop working, don't mean you stop working. Keep going. Like, you got to think about it. We spend months on months rehearsing uh, a, show for, a show for the artist. You know what I'm saying? And at that point, you'd have rehearsed it so much until it's muscle memory. Right. Well, if, if, if should Murphy decide to show his or her face, you know who Murphy is, right? Anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Yep. When Murphy's Murphy there, you still work, you, you, you grind it out. And, um, those, that's one of the biggest things, like, you know, people go to concerts to, to feel a certain way. So you're not really being sold music. You're being sold a feeling. Cornell Thickpin, God rest the dead, told me, I learned this earlier on uh, when I first started playing with Mary. And he was saying about how, you know, you don't know what a person was going through when they heard, you know, through the fire, the shock had come. And I think about that because my mom loved that record. And I know how that guitar solo made me feel. So right. you want that, you want the concert goer to have that same feeling because you don't know what they was going through when they heard my life. You don't know what they was going through when they heard real love. So you want to capture that magic every time. So the goal is to do that. But, you know, Murphy shows up sometimes, <laughs> but you got to keep mm -hmm. pushing. So, yeah, that's yeah. Well, you're professional, so you know how to keep your composure. Absolutely. No, no I mean, see you sweat <laughs> or or falling out in laughter. Yeah, huh? that too. I just have to <laughs> duck down if I got to laugh hard. Duck down the corner. Everybody's yeah. like, "What happened to Sean?" Right. You've got to wait until after the 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 last song before we start the second set. So if I'm dipping down to get a swig of water, I I got to chuckle a little. Got to get the giggles <laughs> out. Get the giggles out. That's my thing. You got to get the giggles out. You got to get him out. <laughs> so how, so how, how did it happen that you ended up getting this role? Well, first, first tell me what the role of a musical director is to you. Like what is, what is it that you're called to do? I love it. I love that the fact that you said, what is a musical director to me? Cause it could be wrong, but to me, just based right. off of, uh, the the musical directors that i've had the privilege of working under uh what i've learned from them is it's just managing personalities and being the liaison from you know the band to the artist to the front of house engineer to the monitor engineer to the lighting guy to all of the working parts that makes that particular show what it is and it's just communication just good communication and leadership and, and being a leader. There's a difference between being a leader and being a boss. A boss dictates, a leader inspires and motivates. And because I like every musician knows, like let's just talk about the Mary Band right now. We all know how to do what we do. We're good at what we do. So all I am is pretty much uh, uh, the, the, the holes from, you know, tank A to tank B, you know, that the siphons the information to say like, hey, Mary wants this, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, uh, or, you know, Mary wants to get rid of this song or she wants, you know, she wants uh, a verse, a chorus, a bridge and out that type. 
that's what a musical okay. director is to me. Good leadership, great communication, two major components to make something work. So someone out there that says that they want to be a musical director, is it possible for them to prepare for that kind of role? Um, or how can they prepare for that kind of role? It is absolutely possible. And I'm a living witness because again, I sat with Rex Hardy, who was Mary's musical director. I sat with Omar Edwards. I sat with Adam Blackstone. I've sat, sat with uh, Eugene Manman Roberts, who's the musical director for John Legend. I've sat with uh, Thaddeus Trivet, uh, who was the MD for Jill when I was playing with Jill. Like I sat under them, I watched how they worked, I watched how they operated, I watched how they moved. I wanted to see what their template was. So for uh, a young musician, you could be an older musician and, and out and you want an opportunity of just that. If that's what you want to do, um, then I would, I would sit with every musical director possible. And it can and it can span from the secular world to the gospel world. Like another great musical director is my uncle Cortez Burke. I sat under him as a drummer and as a guitarist. So you get to see all of their inner workings, what their thought processes are. And that's all it is. You need some kind so, of a template, you know. So take us back to the moment when you found out you were being asked to be Mary's musical director. How did that happen? Okay, I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs <laughs> when it was brought to me. And I say that because I will never forget, this had to be like maybe 2005, 2006, I had my very, very first opportunity at being Mary's musical director. And I failed horrendously because I truly didn't know what being the musical director meant. I had mm -hmm. I had the right intentions, but the lack of information and I failed, you know. So uh fast forward to 2023, April of um we were in Santa Barbara, California. We all got to the hotel um because we had like a couple of days before we had to do the show and the first day of rehearsal, I'm in the lobby and um, the road manager, I mean, the tour manager walks up to me and says, hey, Sean, uh, did you get my email? I said, mm -hmm, I didn't get the email, I got it. So I checked, when I saw it, he was telling me at the same time, like, hey, uh, Omar said that you should be the musical director because he wasn't gonna make it. And, um, and I've been there and you've been there the longest, so you should do it. Are you interested in doing it? I was like, uh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and, and that's exactly how it went. It wasn't like <laughs> Excalibur it ascended from the sky and, and I was how did, that, how did that feel after knowing that the first time you had the opportunity at the role, you feel like you failed? You know, how do you feel now that this opportunity is being extended to you again? Um, I was nervous, but at the same time, I felt like I was prepared because, again, I sat under some great musical directors, you know, mm -hmm. and 
I wasn't as fearful in a sense of should I do this or shouldn't I do this? No, I, I knew that I could do it. I was just nervous because it happened so abruptly. It's almost like, uh, what's the name of that show? I think it's called Designated Survivor where Keeper Sutherland played the backup president because something happened to the other president. So mm-hmm. he had to assume the responsibilities. And that's how I felt. It's like, okay, cool. I can do it, but man, this is so abrupt. So uh, I was prepared though. Like I was ready to take it. I, I was ready to, 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 to try my hand at it again. Yeah. Well, the fact that you can acknowledge the first time as a failure um, or that you failed, I don't want to call it a failure, but you did acknowledge that there are some things that happened that first time that shouldn't have or that went the wrong way or maybe you made the wrong yeah. decision. Um, so that, of course, is going to you know prepare you for round two, because now you know what not to do. Um, but I feel like even that it might even be a greater pressure. It's what if I fail again? Or, you know, uh, what if this isn't any better than the first time? Like, what if they're like, oh, he's just same old Sean that dropped the ball the first time. Right. Um, you know, what is like, do you feel that kind of, well, did you, I mean, you've been at this a while now, did but I did feel you feel that kind of pressure? No, not yeah. at all. Because, you know, okay. where I am in my life right now, I understand that the, 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 the only true way to fail is to not even try. That's the Facts. only that's the only true way that you can really, really fail is if you don't try. Now, when you're putting forth effort and 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 you're learning as you grow, you know, and, and they're patient, that that's a conducive space for growth and, and maturity. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't I didn't I didn't feel the pressure that I thought I would have felt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a lot of times I, there was this saying that I heard that I, I kind of I, I cling to a lot. We dress, we dress, rehearse pain to be tragedy to the punch. And what that means to me is like I spend a lot of time trying to, you know, work out the variables in my head. What if this happens? Well, what if that happens? And what if I do this? Or what if I don't do this? Like you could spend time on the planning committee. Or you can spend time on the welcome committee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So welcome everything as it comes and just grow. Mm-hmm. That's it for me. So I, I I took that approach. That's what it was. Like, you know, I'm a 44 year old African American male who who has a therapist. So nothing really shakes me that hard because, you know, I'm I'm able to have honest conversation with myself and with those honest conversations it helps me to you know maintain my confidence uh not be arrogant but be confident in in knowing who i am and trusting my own inner dopeness hence support the dope you know what i'm saying yeah hey (laughs) you know (laughs) so let's think about um well i guess maybe i can narrow it to to Mary, um, do you have a favorite song that you like to play? That that when that when it's time to play that song on a set list, like this is your jam. Like it's it's time. I've been waiting for this song. What's that song for you? There are two songs. There's this more than one. It's two. Uh, okay. And for 
for different reasons. Uh, Love Without the Heartbreak off of her brand new album because that song grooves so, so hard. Like, like, it ain't no moving. You just, it's, it feel good and it feel like some, it's a ballad, but it's like an up-tempo ballad and that thing just, it just feels so good. It feel like if it's easy like Sunday morning. My second favorite song is My Life because I get a nice chunk of a solo and I get <laughs> unleash hell every time. So yeah. That's what's up. Do you do you have a favorite song that you've ever played? Like with any artist? Do you have a an all time favorite? Oh wow. Um Jill Scott's Long uh Long Walk. Uh-huh. Jill wanted a different version of that song. And what we did was we remixed the song and played Barry White's Playing Your Game, Baby. So that. And we stayed there. I'm pleased. That thing felt good. That's my favorite one from Jill. My favorite one from Lil Wayne is Lollipop. Cause we used to like, cause the way our approach to lollipop was more so like rock, like pop rock. So mm-hmm. lollipop is a keyboard going. I was playing that on a guitar overdrive and, and that just went over so well. John Legend's, um, um, I think it's called Our Love. It's a slow one. But it's a guitar part, like, and it sounds like some Jimi Hendrix type of riff that would be played. So, uh, Angie Stone, Black Brother, One Twelve would be uh, some more. I think that's the name of the one. You want more? I think it's just some more. I think that's what it is because I did it with them on the Jay Leno show. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Dave Hollister's uh, "Girl, I Gotta Go," I can't uh, stay. Can't that stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then Kelly Price, "You Should Have Told Me." Mm-hmm. Um, that Glenn uh, Lewis and "Don't You Forget It." Mm-hmm. Don't you forget. I used to like so my favorite songs because I used to hear them on the radio. But thank God at the time, like a lot of stuff was very very guitar hip whether it was electric or whether it was acoustic yeah oh so what are there anything um that you can think of that you haven't done that you still want to do or any artists that you want to work with that you haven't worked with yet um yeah i still want to do pop i would love to do a pop tour i would love to do a country tour i would love to do a Mm -hmm. rock tour um I would love to work for John Mayer. I would love to work with Sting. I would love to work with Taylor Swift and, and Chris Stapleton. I would love to do them. Not to be closed minded to anybody else. Let's just say if Adam Blackstone calls me like, hey, uh, Justin Timberlake is getting ready to do rehearsal. You want to do this gig? Oh, let's go. I'm absolutely. I'm, I'm there. I'm absolutely there. So, but as it pertains to like my favorites. Like I would love those are the people that I would like would just lose it, especially Sting. Man, I love Sting. Sting is yeah. just such an awesome artist, and he writes such awesome songs and just creates such wonderful experiences. You know, 
that's one of my yeah, so. fears is fragile. Like that song is amazing. So, you know, you've done a lot already, but it sounds like you have a lot more you want to accomplish, which is, which is dope. Um, how does your mom feel now about you playing in your room at night past 830? She's proud. <laughs> my mom, my mother is very, very proud. Like seriously, even as an artist, she sees what I'm doing because that's the other thing. Like granted, I want to work with all these other artists as well, just, you know, cause I like to have it under my belt, but you know, the the big goal is, you know, I want to win the Grammy. I want to win the Soul Train Music Award, the BET Award, the American Music Award. Like, I want to act. I want to, you know, I want to be the musician who's a special guest star on Law & Order SVU or that's in a funny comedy movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So those, those are, that's the, that's the big thing. Yeah. Okay. Get to, get to Jamie Foxx, Ludacris on like you know what i'm saying for real <laughs> absolutely we'll have the fast and furious people call you right get off the let's go <laughs> i'm ready they say you stay ready you ain't got to get ready that's right um so <clears throat> you as an artist because you're not only a touring musician and musical director you have your own artistry as well and you're putting out your own music um talk to us a little bit about the type of music you do for yourself and uh, what all aspects um, are do you have your hand in creating it? Wow. Well, I the my music of choice. I enjoy doing. I love all genres of music. And if you listen to my music, you would hear a lot of uh, key influences in the music. But uh, what I've been on as of lately, I've went back and embraced my R and B roots, and um, that's that's the music that I've been creating. I issued a challenge to myself around uh, May. I said I wanted to write um I wanted to write a song a day, you know, not focusing on the quantity of songs that I write, but the quality of songs that I write. So um I kept that in mind with what I did. And with writing a song a day, I've built up quite the catalog where um I could drop a single every 30 days. So as it stands right now, like um I'm covered up until February, which means I need to get back to work. Uh, but I, I, I oversee the entire uh, process of being a producer, you know, who was more than just a, a music composer or a beat maker, if you will. Like I oversee it from its conception to its birth in every aspect of it from the musical aspect of it to how i mix it to mixing and mastering to doing the artwork to doing the market and promoting Come on, artwork i oversee it all um i am a i am a one uh, <laughs> one man operation and uh and it, it's 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 good because again it's, it's almost like being the musical director for mary j blige you're nervous because it's happening so swiftly, but you're not nervous in the sense of, can I do this or not? No, I, I, I right. know that I'm equipped to do this. I know that I am. I just got to, you know, the nervousness to me, I equate that to just being in my way. Got to get out of my way, you know? So, yeah, I oversee okay. it and it's R&B and it's, it's love songs, it's love music. 
It's timeless music. It's classic music. Nothing vulgar about what's happening with what I'm singing. Like you can really, really, and even if it is somewhat vulgar, it's cleverly done where you don't have to, like your kids can sing it in. Like I got a new single that's dropping in August and the name of the song is called Mojo. And it's, it's, it's a feel good stepping record. I ain't saying nothing vulgar. Mojo is fire. For for oh. y'all that haven't heard it yet, because I heard it. I got a little yeah. sneak peek. Uh, that song is hot. I think Make sure you guys keep, you know, keep an eye out for that. Come on. The hardest thing I say, and I say, I don't know if it's just me, but them painted on jeans and them red high heels got me feeling some kind of way. You know, Come that's on. equivalent to saying, talk your talk, Sean. you feel me? Mighty fine. You know what I'm saying? That's what the, I equate that to. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that everybody that's can that. enjoy, for sure. Okay. So, shout out to being a 100%er. Come on. Let's wish y'all were. Yes, um, But you, have, you also feature some other dope artists sometimes that you collab with uh, or oh. some other people that you've worked with on your music. Okay. So, uh, Valentine's Day of this year, I dropped an album entitled Art, which was long, a long time coming. On this album, I was privileged to have some of the great, greats on this album. Uh, Paul Jackson Jr., who played on the Michael Jackson Thriller album. He's Ricky Miner's right-hand man on guitar. Uh, Lawrence Jones, a Chicago native. Uh, his brother, Paul Jones. Uh, this guitarist out of Chicago by the name of uh, Jeremiah Jerby J. Sutton. Rex Hardy on drums. Uh, Jermaine points deck point Dexter on drums, Stephen Freeman, who lives in Atlanta out of uh, South Carolina, um, Monty Nubel, Jonathan DuBose Jr., uh, Rodney East, um, Marcus Kinsey, uh, my boy Bam, Brandon Hodge, who produced uh, Usher's No Limit record. He's on my album. Uh, then you know, I'm always going to have to bring it home. So um, my hometown heroes, it, 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 up from young, young up and coming to the old, like uh, my boy Lil Q, Lil Quentin, who lives in L.A. now. He's on the record. My cousin, uh, who I used to share drums with, who now plays bass for Eric Benet, uh, he's on the album. Uh, my good friend and brother. Uh, Aaron Adi Amore is on the album. We got a song called Fly to Me. And um, I think I named everybody. I got. I actually have my brother-in-law on my album. Uh, he did a prayer, uh, which leads to the last and final song on the album. So, yeah. Oh, Jubu. John Jubu Smith. Elijah Baker. Can't forget them two. Like, they kill. They kill. Like, if you know who Jubu is then you know how dope Jubu is on guitar because he played for Frankie Beverly and Maze. And he has his own group called Legally Belong. Nice. Uh, Sean, Sean hadn't dropping them names. Like you did that, you did a good job. That was a lot of people, Sean. I you know, I don't know if I would have made it through. <laughs> <laughs> I named everybody. I didn't leave out nobody. And as soon as we end this, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm going to everybody. I know I did. <laughs> no, that was good. Payton. That's a... See, I did. Chris see? Payton. See? 
I knew about it gave it an extra minute. Just, yeah, just Chris let it Payton. for a second. Somebody got to follow. Oh, bro, for real. Chris Payton, that's my boy. <laughs> now, Chris Chris is like, thank you for waiting for that yeah, 20 seconds. Yeah, say the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, how do they people tune in uh, or find your music? Where where can they find that at? You guys could find all of my music on uh, all major streaming platforms. So wherever you stream your music, how however you stream your music, if you're a uh, Apple Music subscriber, I'm there. If you're a Title Music subscriber, I'm there. Amazon, Google Play, Deezer, I'm there. Uh, Shazam, you can Shazam like if you just so happen to hear my music on your computer, I'm near like Shazam it and to see you to all of them I'm on YouTube, um, Google Play, if I hadn't said that already, uh, Amazon Music, Yahoo, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think I covered it. Streaming is cool, let me say that, but oh my goodness, however, downloading, downloading is a completely different thing, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> And you download my album when you download my that's, singles. That's real. You download that's is when you know the you love show, is that's real. How you really show me you love me. Come on, somebody. Right. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jarrell. Jarrell popping up in the podcast. Whoa, man, for real. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. No, I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us and kicking off the season with me. Um, I hope you had fun on the show. Really did. This uh, is so dope. We'll have to we'll have to do it again. We, we got through some technical issue. We that's gonna be our story. That's our story. When, when we tell the behind the scenes story oh. later when they do the documentary later. That's gonna be fun. But we, but we made it. <laughs> we probably we crossing the finish line right now. Right. <laughs> but I appreciate you hanging with me. Um, is there anything that you want to share with the people that are that are listening that we haven't talked about or, you know, something that you want them to know about Sean Hinton? Uh, this, this is your platform, your time to tell your story. So I'm going to make sure I leave space for that for you because that's why we're here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, let me say this. This is how we provide for our family. This is how I provide for my family. I love being discovered. So I'm grateful to see my girl CB and support the dope. Because if you don't know who I am, you're getting to know who I am just by listening and listening to my story. Support goes a long, long way. Um, I know that I'm capturing, I'm, I'm gaining your, I, I have your attention now. I promise you, once you listen to the music, I will keep your attention and just please continue to stay tapped in because like I said, I am, I've purposed it in my heart and I am dropping music every 30 days. So I'm in your face. I got my foot on the gas. I took the brake pedal off. I ain't got nothing but open road, no accidents. We going in, please stay tapped in. On gas, and no breaks. You God first, like I'm keeping God first. You won't be last, and that's it. That's all. Come on, <laughs> come on. That's how you end the show. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, tell everybody where they can follow you um, if they're looking for you on social media. Okay, you can follow me by typing in your search engine and Instagram 
uh, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, uh, S-H-O-N-N-H-I-N-T-O-N. That's easy. You type in my name, this mug is going to pop up. And all you got to do is just hit follow, like, all that good stuff. And you'll be tapped in to everything that I'm doing. So do that. Tapped in. That's and I stuff. follow back. I just want y'all to know I do follow back. I'm not that way. I'm down like See? four flats on the car. Let's go. Four flats on the hatchback, baby. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much uh, to everyone that tuned in. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you tell a friend. Support the Dope Radio is back, back, better than ever, bigger than ever, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you guys keep it tuned uh, in. If you're not already, you can follow us on Instagram at Support the Dope. You can follow us on Facebook at Support the Dope Radio. You can go to the website, supportthedoperadio.com. And on there, you will find some more information about the podcast. Um, you can sign up for the email list. So you can keep in, uh, stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast. If we have any announcements, um, who's coming up on the show, all those things will be there. Um, there's some pictures there for you to scroll through. I know y'all like pictures. Um, and you can also see uh, all the streaming platforms that we're on for you to check into the podcast. You can listen to it in a way that's most convenient for you. Um, and we have a lot there right now. I won't try to name them all because I'm not Sean. I'm not that talented. I'll forget something. Um, but pretty much where you <laughs> listen to your podcast, you can find Support the Dope Radio. There are a couple more that I'll probably be adding in the near future. But um, I think we're pretty covered for now. So you guys should have no excuse to support the dope. So make sure you guys do that. Um, stay tuned. Next up, we have um, the man, the myth, the legend. The husband, the pastor, the father, baby dub. Um, owner of my block. Um, Warren Campbell is up next on the show, so make sure you guys. So yes, you you tune you want to tune into that. Um, so um, keep it coming. This is how we rocking all season long. So make sure you keep it locked. Stay tuned. We'll see you again next time. Once again, this is um season six, episode one, with my guest Sean Hinton, uh, and we'll catch y'all on the flip side. All right, CD out. Oh.